with Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hello, podcast listeners. Hello. So happy to be here with you. It's a beautiful, beautiful spring day in Pennsylvania mm. as we're recording this. The birds are chirping, the breeze is blowing, the bees are buzzing, <laughs> the carpenter bees are eating our log cabin. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a log home. It's actually a really fun spot. It's a 200-year-old log cabin tucked away in the woods in Amish country here in Pennsylvania. And every time this year, the carpenter bees come out. And start, this is what they sound like. <laughs> so we, <laughs> they eat our house. We are, we are monthly subscribers. Would you call us that? To, to some insect service. <laughs> right. Some bug people who come on a regular basis to spray our house. And we're also getting yellow jackets in the house this year. I don't know why. Yeah. I caught a yellow jacket during... A live Q&A for our online Mary course. Oh, uh, we're, we're right in the middle of, or by the time this episode airs, we're at the tail end of our online Theology of the Body and the Marian Mystery course. Yeah. And I was on a live Q&A with 100 and whatever students from around the world yesterday on a Zoom call, and there was a wasp buzzing around in our house, and I had to inter <laughs> interrupt in, on the Zoom call and catch this wasp in our bug zooka hey. who out there knows what a bug zooka is bug zooka is pretty exciting if you don't know what a bug zooka is google it <laughs> if you have bugs in your house you want to get yourself a bug zooka this is not a paid advertisement <laughs> no. i'm doing this just to pass on to you guys who might have bugs in your house like we do the good news of a little sucker thing <laughs> It <laughs> has a pump on it, like an air pump. You go, shock, you cock it like a gun. And then you pu push the button and it sucks the bug right into it. I like it. it. Yeah, it's good for stink bugs. Yeah, stink bugs. We have gabillions of stink bugs in oh, Pennsylvania, too. Oh, man. Anyway, if you want to talk to us about your bug problems. <laughs> no, please don't. That's okay. <laughs> Shall we move on to a patron Let's question? Let's move on to a patron question. And thank you to our patrons out there. Every yes. episode, we begin with a question from a patron. Yes. Our patrons are our monthly supporters at the Theology of the Body Institute. We can't do this work without them. We would invite anyone out there listening, if you are blessed by the work we are doing, and if you're feeling a little nudge right now from the Holy Spirit to, to help us do what we do, help us to expand our reach, we would be so grateful to you if you would prayerfully consider becoming a patron. The information is in the show notes where you can learn more. So this is our number one question of the podcast, as usual, from a patron. Who's our patron? And her name is Katie. Hello, Katie. Katie says, thank you both for your beautiful witness. I'm blown away by Theology of the Body, but also really struggling. As an adult convert to the faith, with an atheist husband, mm. I often feel lonely. Mm. I have friendships with men who are believers and love the chance to talk to other men about our shared beliefs. My second issue is intimacy. 
I have very sisterly feelings toward my husband, and for various reasons, I can't see that changing. So my question, can I have a meaningful marriage when I feel lonely both spiritually and sexually, and I'm drawn to others? Wow, thank you, Katie, for making yourself so vulnerable. Thank you for putting that out in the light. Yeah, I appreciate just the honesty of looking at the challenges of this situation. Yeah, it is a challenging situation, and it's it's understandable. We we yearn to share our whole selves with our spouse, and when there's a block there, a wall there, and certainly unbelief can put up a, a thick wall to sharing your whole self. When when you are alive in your faith, you can't separate out who you are from your relationship with Christ. You can't dice and slice yourself like that. Uh, and of course, there's a yearning in the heart to, to be known and received at that depth. And when your husband is not able to receive you there and you find those struggles, uh, can be very tempting to want to take those needs elsewhere. I would invite you, Katie, to, to take that need, that ache, exactly what you opened to us here, and I imagine you already are doing this, but it's not a once-and-done thing. But to lay that ache wide open, as naked as naked can be, uh, open that ache to your true bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Mm. There is another man to whom you can take your heart without ever being unfaithful to your husband, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your true bridegroom. He is your true bridegroom. And the goal of your marriage is not so much happiness in this life. Indeed, that's really not the goal of your marriage. When we, when we look, it can be a fruit of a, of a marriage for sure. I mean, my goodness, Wendy, you have brought such joy and happiness to, to my life, um, along with challenges and trials and everything that goes along with being human. Right. But if we if we expect another human being to do for us what only God can do, we are turning the icon of marriage into an idol. So yes, yes, that yearning in your heart can be open to another man, but that other man is Jesus Christ. It's not that you can't have other relationships with with other human beings who are male, but there there do need to be boundaries there, and and a caution I think is appropriate, especially when your heart is vulnerable, which it is right now. Your heart is yearning to be known, especially at this level of your faith, uh, the faith that you have in Christ, and sharing that faith with with others is is an is a need. It's a human need, but there can be a vulnerability that could lead you to crossing an emotional boundary with another man that would not be good for your relationship with your husband. Can you have a healthy marriage? Can you have even a holy marriage? Well, let me answer that question by telling a story, and I'm almost certain that this story must have come up in one of our 124 other episodes somewhere along the way, because I tell it often. And it's the story of 
Elizabeth Lesseur and her husband, Felix. You recently read a book mm-hmm. about, do, do you want to say anything about that book you read uh, about the them? The book is called Salt and Light, and it's about their marriage. Uh, they're a French couple who lived in the, uh, well, late 18 and early to mid-1900s um, in France. And um, just about Elizabeth having, um, I, I think both of them didn't know what level to what level faith would be important to them in their marriage when they got married. Elizabeth ended up really growing in her faith, and Felix ended up really losing his faith. And so they had many years together where they, there was such a difference between them in terms of faith, where Elizabeth felt mocked by her husband mm, mm. and his friends, um, and yet found the grace to to really be faithful to him and um, to offer the pain of that, of that feeling mocked for his salvation, which, you know, in their story, you do find that after her death, um, which was at a, somewhat of a young age, he did, um, you know, through her intercession and her example, come to faith himself. So it's a beautiful story. I'm not sure what yeah. you wanted to share yeah, about I just, them. I, you're sharing it right now, just that in her situation, she prayed one of those dangerous prayers, like, Lord, I, I, I know my calling in marriage is to help get my husband to heaven, and I know that his conversion comes with suffering, that there will be suffering involved in conversion. That is just a basic principle of spiritual truth. Conversion comes through suffering. The, the conversion of the world came comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing else converts the world. And if we are to share in that call, then we too will suffer for others' conversion. That's, that's what real love calls us to, love one another as I have loved you. Elizabeth took that call very seriously to love her husband in that way. And she had a, a cancer that was very painful, and she offered all of that suffering for Felix. And after she died, he discovered her prayer journal. And not only was he converted by the witness of her love, but he became a Catholic priest. Mm. And he gave his priesthood to working with the Vatican for the cause of his wife's beatification, and that's still underway. And I will really rejoice in the day that that comes, and I do believe it will come. But the purpose there of that story, Katie, is that it is truly possible, even under very strenuous, difficult circumstances like you are in, to have an unbelieving husband, it is truly possible to have a holy marriage. That marriage of Elizabeth and Felix was not a rosy marriage but it was a holy marriage sanctified by her great love. And we have every reason to believe that right now both of them are rejoicing in the eternal marriage together Mm. and that their sacrament has been super abundantly fulfilled on the other side. And I assure you, on that side of the mystery, Elizabeth is not looking back at her earthly life thinking, why did I say yes to all that suffering for my husband? I wish I hadn't had to go through that. Uh, she's rejoicing in the fruit of it forever. Hmm. When, we, when we are only, st- and I do this all the time, I get stuck 
thinking that this life is all there is. When we think this life is all there is, well, we're to be pitied more than anybody, St. Paul says. If we don't have the perspective of eternity, then everything gets skewed and we think uh, every suffering in this life is just the end of the world, or especially the real difficult sufferings, and I need to get out of that suffering so I can try to find my happiness elsewhere. That is failing to take into account that this life is the snap of a fingers and it's over compared to eternity. Mm. Katie, I invite you. I, I know it's hard. I know the ache can be unbearable. But the precisely the intimacy for which you long with your bridegroom is to be found in that suffering united with your true bridegroom, Jesus Christ. There is a profound intimacy to be found in suffering in and with Jesus, your bridegroom, and all the more to offer that suffering for your earthly husband and his conversion. Jesus promises that when we pray in that way, when we intercede for others in that way, that it will bear fruit. You may not see the fruit in this life. Elizabeth did not see the conversion of her husband in this life, but she's rejoicing eternally in it now. And I'm reminded of a line from St. Paul where he says that the believing spouse sanctifies the unbelieving spouse. Mm -hmm. That is real, Katie. That is real. Uh, Wendy, I wonder, would you be willing to lead uh, a prayer for Katie right now in this place? I just, I can almost taste the the suffering that she's in and the 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 pull to 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 seek relief from that suffering in in other ways that would lead her astray, I think. Uh, but that suffering can be aimed at Christ and united with Christ in such a way that it it bears abundant fruit, indeed eternal fruit. Yes. Lord, I lift up Katie to you. I lift up to you every spouse in a similar circumstance, husbands or wives, uh, who are listening, who are suffering with that sense of loneliness within their marriage, um, especially that difference of faith and just longing for a beautiful communion that they feel left out from, and they feel that their life and their marriage is unusually difficult, and wouldn't it be so much more enjoyable and easier with someone that if they had married someone or were married to someone who shared faith and, and a vision of marriage. So I lift up all such people to you, Lord, for your merciful hand to be upon them, that they would be given that gift of trusting in the goodness of your heart, that there is no circumstance we can be in where you do not desire to bring good out of suffering, good out of those lonely longings, Lord, that you first of all want to speak to that deep longing in the heart of every human being to be known and seen and loved and appreciated and delighted in. Lord, I ask too that each one would be given a, a particular sense that you have a purpose in this marriage, mm -hmm. that you are accomplishing yes, your purposes, that you are faithful, and that it is just a, a tactic of the evil one to be constantly buzzing around, reminding us, oh, so-and-so has it better, so-and-so has a, 
you know, an easier life that as just a distraction from being true to the call that you've placed on each one of us to be faithful to our promises by your grace and to trust that it is your grace at work in our lives and in the lives of our spouses that you have a beautiful plan that we would yes, long Lord. for what you have for us for that living water to flow from within us and to lead us to eternal life lord we pray in jesus name amen i'm reminded in katie's story of john paul ii's story called the jeweler's shop mm, yeah and i'd invite you to there, it was put into a movie, I think, in the, the late 80s, uh, which is decent. It's not entirely faithful to the exact story John Paul II told, but it's it's decent. Uh, you could watch the movie or just Google John Paul II, The Jeweler's Shop, or Carol Wojtyla, The Jeweler's Shop, and you'll find it. It might be worth taking that to prayer, reading through that story and taking it to prayer. It's about this, the story trial the real trials of married life and what fidelity calls us to mm. i think you'll find it uh, enriching next question is from matt hello matt matt asks should couples beyond their fertile years no longer engage in the sexual embrace since there isn't the possibility of children i understand where that question is coming from matt but there's a a fallacy that is underneath that question and the fallacy is this the only reason for the marital embrace is children that is a fallacy mm -hmm. children are the beautiful natural normal wonderful fruit of the marital embrace but they are not the only reason for the marital embrace the purpose of the marital embrace fundamentally is to express and renew and deepen the marriage bond and the, the marital bond is the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's the one who forms the bond. Isn't that astounding? Hold on, right there, time out. The bond of marriage is the same bond of the eternal Trinity. The bond between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. The bond between the husband and the wife is the Holy Spirit spirit the holy spirit is also the lord and the giver of life life so when we render the marital embrace sterile we are saying whether we realize it or not we're saying we don't want the lord and giver of life to be part of this act in other words you are kicking the very bond of your relationship out of the picture that's why contraception is so damaging to marital love. However, God has designed the man and the woman and the way their bodies interact so that not every time they come together, it's going to result in a child. A woman is naturally infertile, even during her fertile years, for about two-thirds of the month. She's naturally infertile. And then after childbearing years, she's indefinitely infertile for the rest of her life. God designed it that way. It's not required that in each and every marital embrace, a husband and wife even desire that a child would result. We can know sometimes with 100% certainty, as in past childbearing years, that a child won't result. 
all that is required is a readiness and willingness on the part of the spouses to say, Holy Spirit, come. Lord and giver of life, you are welcome here. If you desire to create new life, let it be. If you do not desire to create a new life, let it be. Your will be done. Uh, that even into old age, that openness to the Lord and giver of life will deepen and renew and strengthen the bond between the spouses. And that's an incredibly enriching experience to have. There is always, always more to discover in the life of the Holy Spirit between a husband and a wife. And here I, I just quote directly from John Paul II in his Theology of the Body. He says, the chaste love of husband and wife, and what does chaste love mean? Remember, chastity is the virtue that orients our sexual desires towards the truth of love. Do not equate chastity with abstinence, right? The virtue of chastity requires abstinence for unmarried people, but the virtue of chastity in married life is precisely this openness to the Spirit that I'm talking about. Uh, John Paul II says that the one flesh union itself, when husband and wife enter into their conjugal embrace chastely, it is itself an expression of life according to the Holy Spirit. Mm. That is powerful. That is beautiful. That is profound. Our hope as we are nearing the time of being past childbearing years is certainly for all the more graces coming into our marriage through our marital embrace, continuing the path that we've been on of growth in in love for one another through our bond, through our bond expressed in our physical union, and through it being a source of, of prayer and of um, just vulnerability mm. with one another yes. and before the Lord, trusting in his will for us in every stage of our life as a married couple. And I, I pray that that's the experience of so many married couples, that they recognize that this is a very privileged expression of their marriage in which they encounter deep things in one another and and depths of the heart of the Lord, and that that would continue to be life-giving for their marriage and for their ministry in the world, and that, um, you know, no question that, you know, God has a beautiful plan and his presence there in, in these deep places of the marriage is bearing abundant fruit. I think what you said about life-givingness is, is illuminating here, mm -hmm. that life-givingness is not only at the biological level right. in bringing a child into the world, but that is the sign of, of all kinds of other life-giving mysteries that are present and part of the marital embrace. Yes. So long as, again, the couple is not closing the act to the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, so long as they remain open to the Holy Spirit's presence, the marital embrace is always life-giving, always life-giving. And that can be a source of great consolation to those couples who long to have children and are unable. Mm -hmm. Whenever a husband and wife become one flesh and they throw open their very bodies to the presence of the Lord and giver of life, the Holy Spirit, that union is life-giving giving. Uh, as you said, Wendy, we're, we're approaching these years of infertility, and 
I look forward to seeing how that becomes a life-giving reality in, in new ways. Uh, who knows what the Lord has in store in that regard? But mm-hmm. yes, let us, and if maybe it seems strange to some people out there, how do you mean open the sexual act to the Holy Spirit? What is that even? It's meant to be holy. John Paul II says that the marital embrace is in some way an act of liturgy. What? What? Yes, that's what he says. That that somehow somehow, and the how is precisely because it's a sacrament, mm-hmm. right? Marriage is a sacrament of the church, and all the sacraments of the church are liturgical acts of the church. Not only is marriage one of the seven sacraments, John Paul II says it is the model and prototype of all of the sacraments, because the goal of all of the sacraments is that Christ the bridegroom and the church the bride might be united, and life, new life, might be given the bride. That is enacted every time a husband and wife become one flesh and open themselves to the presence of the Holy Spirit. The mystery of redemption is enacted. The mystery of creation is enacted. Because the the marital embrace, again, quoting John Paul II, the marital embrace bears within itself the mystery of creation and redemption. Wow! Lord, open our eyes to who we really are as male and female. Open our eyes to the glories, the beauties of the marital embrace. This is why the enemy's after it, to twist and pornify it. God, the true God, created us male and female to glorify our bodies the enemy gets in there to pornify our bodies. Lord, may our bodies be glorified so that we can rediscover who we really are, so that we can know in the depths of our being that we are indispensable, irreplaceable, and unrepeatable, and so that we would become what we are. West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute, with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.